My scripture this morning is taken from the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verses 1 through 14. If you'd like to follow along as I read aloud, it is found in your pew Bibles on page 103. Before I start reading it, I want to talk to you a little bit about the Gospel of John, specifically this passage. This is going to sound familiar to you. I typically use this in uh, almost every celebration of life that I do. Uh, there's a reason for it. I like to refer to this as it's in my top five favorite passages of Scripture. Now, those of you that are in my Bible studies know that that's like every Scripture. I always start off with saying, this is my favorite. Well, uh, I do. I have Romans 8 is definitely one of my favorite passages of Scripture in my top five. John chapter 14 and 15 are in my top five. And then it gets weird. The Gospel of Mark. I can't narrow it down to one. And then the book of Ruth. And then uh, it just kind of varies between what week and what month I'm in uh, as to what my other favorite passage of Scripture is. But this one is one of my favorite passages of Scripture. So hear now these words from the Gospel of John. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, so that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Now, I think that the Gospel of John writer would have wanted to say in the 21st century, in an exasperated voice, Jesus said to him, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and then the Father is in me. But if you do not then believe me because of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. And in fact, will do greater works than these because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be also glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. 
May God bless the reading of God's holy scripture. Amen. When I tell you this is my favorite passage of scripture and that it is one of those things that kind of sticks with me, it's, it, it, it absolutely does. Now, there's a lot of different ways that you've heard this passage of scripture. You've always heard it, do, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. That right off the bat is supposed to be this most amazing idea that Jesus presents to his disciples in such a way that says, here is the opportunity that you have to believe in something other than what the world has given to you. And in my Father's house, there are many dwelling places. Jesus assures his disciples that his return to his Father assures a non-breaking, continuous communion with him and with the Father. And that he further explains that he is the one who reveals God and points to the disciples' task of manifesting God's works. I think it's important that we talk about it in a little bit more of a depth, because usually what happens in, in a celebration of life is I'm not going to bring up the story about Thomas and Philip. I'm not going to be Thomas at the middle of the, in the middle of a service where we're trying to celebrate someone's life to give them comfort and just say, hey, I don't, I don't know the way to where you're going. What are you talking about? Let's, let's think for just a second. Thomas is us. That's how he's portrayed throughout the entire gospel. He's not a bad guy. This idea of him being a doubter is not really, I don't, I, and maybe, maybe it's just as I'm getting older, I'm getting to this point where I'm going, I, I can kind of see where he's coming from. I want you to think about the burden put upon Thomas's shoulders. You start out walking with this Jesus guy. And as you are walking along with Jesus, Jesus starts doing miracles. Just out of nowhere. He walks by people, they're healed, he speaks and their voices are changed. They, they, they start to see, they get up, they walk. And you're a disciple. You understand how this works, right? It's as people start to lean upon you and people start to watch you do the things in the name of Jesus, they start to ask you the same question they're probably asking Thomas. Hey, Thomas, that was pretty cool that your teacher did. Can you do that? And Thomas's very sheepish response would probably be, uh, I don't know. I mean, I think I would like to think that I can. Jesus keeps saying that I should, but I, I don't know what he's talking about here. And you can hear Thomas going, Jesus, I, I don't know what you're talking about. What do you mean the way? How, how, how are you the way and the truth and the life? 
I don't know where you're going. How can we know? Is it on the road? Was there a map? Is, is there a sign? Remember, he's still just trying to piece this together. And the audience that's watching around him is as, just as dumbfounded as he is. As Thomas is saying to him, Jesus, I don't really know what you're talking about here. I should have said this part at the 815 service. I think it's okay at any part in your journey of faith to recognize that you don't have to know everything. Especially when it comes to your faith. You could be the most devoted, most prayerful person in the entire room and still not know the way that Jesus is talking about here. Thomas is asking a good question, and Jesus responds to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father. And from now on, you do know him and have seen him. That's not a rebuke. But we preach it that way, right? We, we talk about it that way. We always talk about how Thomas somehow has no faith. And in this moment, Jesus is telling him, listen, dum-dum, you should know better. What if we flipped the script and said, what if Jesus is just answering the question? It makes it a little bit more palatable for us. I mean, isn't that the role of church today? The role of church today is to make sure that people can eat the elephant one bite at a time. I can't give you everything about God because I don't know everything about God and will never pretend to say so. Thomas is us. And he says, Jesus says to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. It's as if you're talking to a child. Then there's Philip. Philip, I think, is from Missouri. He just is part from the show me state. He looks at Jesus and he just says, and, and, and you know, Again, maybe I'm standing up for Philip a little bit too much, but you can hear it in his tone of voice. Lord, just show us. We've, we've walked with you. We've talked with you. We've ministered beside you. And, and we just want to see for just a second, just a glimpse of the divine. We want to we wanna be able to embrace the warmth and not die. We, we want to be able to be a part of that and not be cast away. We, we want to see this, the Mashiach, you are our Messiah. I mean, for centuries, this is what Jesus was supposed to do, was to smite all the enemies of Israel. And, and here's that moment where God embraces all of God's people. Now, church, you need to hear me say that. All of God's people, that's what Isaiah is talking about. Everyone that takes breath, whether you like them or not. All of them. This is what Philip is saying. And then he says, but God, just show us. 
the Father and we will be satisfied. They, they won't be satisfied. What are we going to want if we see a little glimpse? More! <laughs> it's like giving a kid a piece of pizza for the very first time. Unless they're gluten intolerant and then that's a whole different story. Or lactose intolerant and then it's as bad. You give it just a glimpse of it to them, and then they want more. Philip is us as well. But in this case, I think Jesus is upset. How could you, how could you say this, Philip? How can you ask this? Have I not been with you all this time? And he even names him. Have you not been with me, Philip? And you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own. But the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in my Father. And the Father is in me. But if you do not, then believe me because of the works themselves. Boltman says that the part that's important to focus in here is the word, the way. The word way is found within Jewish wisdom tradition, reflecting the wise. In this particular passage, the way is uh, an understanding of the Gnostic tradition, the way, the truth, truth, gnosis. But I want to take it a step further. In the Hebrew Bible, there is no word for the name God. You don't walk into it and you don't look throughout the Hebrew Bible and it says, God's name is. You have the prophets ask him from the very beginning to the very end, what is your name? Please just give us a little bit of a sign. Uh, sound familiar? Thanks, Philip. You sound like an Old Testament prophet. Just give us your name because if you, if you have a name, you have power and you have dominion and you can claim it right there and then and God only gives them this phrase, I am. M. throughout the entire Hebrew Bible. The rest of the time you'll see it spelled uh, Yehovah or you'll, spell, you'll see it spelled Y-H-W-H. They, they won't even spell out Yahweh. The Christians do that much later. The Jewish culture, even to this day, will only write the phrase Y-H-W-H because to claim the name of God in, in, in implies that you have the power over God. So I want you to think of how powerful it is when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I've shown you all of these great things. You've been a part of these great things. Why? Well, because I want you to recognize the difference between faith 
and belief, the difference between presence and absence. I am not going to be with you very much longer. I want you to know the difference between Jesus and our Creator. It starts off with this idea of being troubled. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. And by the end of this particular passage of Scripture, we now have this understanding that very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also, what? Go and do the works that I do. If in fact, we'll do greater works than these because I am going to the Father. How do we live in Jesus' absence, you might ask? How do we find ourselves in a relationship with Jesus when he's not physically here? Well, for us, we, we do that through prayer. We see it in our works and deeds. People literally see the face of Jesus. I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And if in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. When we do these things, we recognize these phrases. Do not let your hearts be troubled as we pray together. Because we believe in God. We also believe in Jesus. In our Creator's house, there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would Jesus have told us that he goes to prepare a place for us? And if we go and prepare a place, then Jesus will come again and take us <laughs> to be with him so that where he is, there we may be also. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.